Hare Krishna. Good morning, everybody. Whether you're here in Dallas or in some far distant part of the world, we welcome you here this morning. Glad that you have chosen to join us for a little bit. I'm Rupanugadas, disciple of Tamal Krishna Goswami Maharaj. And we'll be reading and talking about the Srimad Bhagavatam this morning, first canto, chapter five. And our text number is twenty three. I think our God sister Jai Radhe Devi uh, spoke on text number 22 yesterday. So we'll be talking about text number 23 today. You have your phone? First Canto chapter 5, text number 23. And before we begin, we will invoke the presence and blessings of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Shishi Radha Kalachanji. Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hare Jaya Radha Madhava Gopi Jamuna Tira Banachari Jamuna Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hare Jai Gaur Premananda Hari Hari Bo Jai Om Vishnu Pad Paramahamsa Paribhijaka Charja Hasto Tarasata Sri Srimad's Divine Loving Grace Hoye Chananara Vinna Bhaktivinata Swami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Om Vishnu Pada Paramahamsa Paribhajaka Charja Hasto Tarasita Sri Srimad's Divine Grace 
Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Gosami Maharaj Srila Prabhupar Ki Ananta Koti Vaishnavrinda Ki Iskan BBT Founder Acharya Srila Prabhupar Ki Iskan Guru Parampara Ki Srirup Sri Sanatan Bhatta Raghunath Sri Jeeva Gopal Bhatta Dasa Raghunath Sad Gosami Prabhu Ki Nama Charja Srila Haridas Thakur Ki Premsekho Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasari Gaura Bhaktarinda Ki Shri Shri Radha Krishna Gopa Gopinath Shamakun Radhakun Giri Govardhana Ki Shri Vandamadam Ki Shri Mathuradam Ki Shri Mayapunabhaduitam Ki Shri Jagannathpuridam Ki Shri Shri Radha Kalachanjidam Ki Ganga Devi ki, Jamuna Mai ki, Tulsi Devi ki, Bhakti Devi ki, Samaveda Bhakti Rinda ki, Brihat Badanga Transcendental Book and Prasharam Distribution ki, Natai Gaura Premananda, Hari Hari Bhul, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to the assembled devotees. All glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Gauranga. Nama Um Vishnu Vadaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swaminiti Namane. Namaste Sarasvati Devi Gauravani Pacharine Nibhishesha Srinivari Pastatade Shitarine. Jaisila Prabhupada. Might also mention that uh, today is a Kadashi, fasting from grains and beans. It is also a half-day fast for the appearance of 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 um, Shila, uh, Sri um, is it the uh, Barahade, Shila Barahade. The Lord's appearance is a transcendental bore. So half day fast. Tomorrow is the actual appearance day of, of Sri Varahade. Uh, but uh, because it's a Kadashi today, we're we're fasting for half day on a Kadashi, and then tomorrow morning, uh, instead of fasting for Lord Varahade's appearance day. Uh, we'll be breaking the Akadashi fast sometime around 7 o'clock, 7.30, something like that. Um, I want to, I want to again welcome everyone who is listening in and those of you who are listening in on the archived version, which will become available usually in the evening around 10 o'clock. Um, Prema Sindhu Prabhu has been very faithful. Whenever he's in town, he's he's putting the celebrations that are held in the temple room, the classes and such, uh, onto the archived version. And so that can be found at radhakalachanji.org, I believe. And if you go to the menu, then you can scroll down to media. And click on that, and that will take you then, you'll see popping up below it, the uh, audio archives. And so that's a place where you can go and find 
whatever uh, classes, whatever lectures. We have a lot of really good speakers coming in to Dallas from time to time. And we have some good speakers also here in our community. So I invite everyone, even if you hear the class in the morning, sometimes in the evening when there's not much else going on, you might uh, turn on the archive, as I do, uh, usually at the time that I'm getting ready to take rest. I will listen again, even if I've heard the class already, because hearing one time doesn't permit me to remember very much. So once again, this morning we're reading from the first canto, chapter 5, text number 23. And the text that is on the board, I believe, is the one that was used yesterday by Mother uh, Jai Shirate. So we don't have a text on the board, but those of you who have your books available or who have your telephones available, go to vedabase.io, isn't it? And and uh, there you can pull up the uh, the Srimad Bhagavatam and go click on it and go to the first canto, click on that, and then uh, scroll down to chapter five, and then uh, you can then get get eventually to the text that we're going to be reading today. So I think we'll uh, we'll do the. Translations, or, or well, no, the transliterations into English. We'll do it as as poetry. We'll read line for line, and if, if if you have your copy of the book, or if you have your telephone open to that database, then we can also you can you can chant along with us. So the first stand, first line of the text number twenty three. Aham pura tita bave bavam mune. Dasyas tu kasya chana veda vadinam. Nirupito balaka eva yoginam. Sushru sane pravrishi nir vivikshatam. Aham purati tapave bavam mune. Dasyas tu kasyas vadinam. Nirupito balaka eva yoginam. Sushrusane pravrishi nirvivikshatam. Aloka Prabhu, please stand. Dasyas to 
Yupito Balaka Heba Yoginam Sushrushare Sushrusane Pavrishinir Vivikshatam. Beautiful text just to listen to, just to hear. It's very nice. Word for word translations into English. Aham, Aham. I, I. Pura, Pura. formerly. Atita Bhave, in the previous millennium, Abhavam, became, Mune, O Muni, Dasya, of the maidservant, to, but, Kasyachana, certain, Vedavadinam of the followers of Vedanta Nirupita engaged Balaka boy servant Eva only Yoginam of the devotees Sushrusane in the service of, of Pravrishi during the four months of the rainy season, season. Nirvivikshatam living together. together. Now the translation and the purport by His Divine Grace. A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. O Muni, in the last millennium I was born as the son of a certain maidservant engaged in the service of brahmanas who were following the principles of Vedanta. When they were living together during the four months of the rainy season, I was engaged in their personal service. Repeat with me, please. O Muni, in the last millennium I was born as a son of a certain maidservant engaged in the service of brahmanas who were following the principles of Vedanta. When they were living together during the four months of the rainy season, I was engaged in their personal service. The purport by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. The wonder of an atmosphere surcharged with devotional service to the Lord is briefly described herein by Sri Narada Muni. He was the son of the, of the most insignificant parentage. He was not properly educated. Still, because his complete energy was engaged in the service of the Lord, he became an immortal sage. Such is the powerful action of devotional service. The living entities are the marginal energy of the Lord, and therefore they are meant for being properly utilized in the transcendental loving service of the Lord. When this is not done, one situation is called maya. 
Therefore, the illusion of maya is at once dissipated. As soon as one's full energy is converted into the service of the Lord instead of in sense enjoyment. From the personal example of Sri Narada Muni in his previous birth, it is clear that the service of the Lord begins with the service of the Lord's bona fide servants. The Lord says that the service of his servants is greater than his personal service. Service of the devotee is more valuable than the service of the Lord. One should therefore choose a bona fide servant of the Lord constantly engaged in his service, accept such a service as the spiritual master, and engage himself, that's the devotee, engage himself in the spiritual master's service. Such a spiritual master is the transparent medium by which to visualize the Lord who is beyond the conception of the material senses. By service of the bona fide spiritual master, the Lord consents to reveal himself in proportion to the service rendered. Utilization of the human energy in the service of the Lord is the progressive path of salvation. The whole cosmic creation becomes at once identical with the Lord as soon as service in relation with the Lord is rendered under the guidance of a bona fide spiritual master. The expert spiritual master knows the art of utilizing everything to glorify the Lord and therefore under his guidance the whole world can be turned into the spiritual abode by the divine grace of the Lord's service, of the Lord's servant, rather. Om Jnana Timbinandasya Gyananjana Salakaya Chakshuran Militam Jaina Tasmai Shri Gurave Shri Chaitanya Manovishtam Sapitam Jaina Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamaya Dirati Swavarantikam Bande Hum Shri Guru Shri Dutta Padakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavanscha Shri Rupam Sagvajatam Sahagana Raghunatan Bitam Tam Sajivam Savadvaitam Savaduttam Padijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Bitamscha He Krishna Karanasando Dinabando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostate Taptakan Chanagodangi Radhe Brindamaneshwadi Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hadi Priye Banchakalpa Tarubhischa Kripa Sindhubhye Vacha Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namah Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhara Sivasari Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari Hari, Hare Rama, Hari Rama, Rama Rama, Hari Hari, Nama Om Vishnu, Badaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale, 
Srimati Tamal Krishna Goswami Tinamane Once again, the translation of this text today. O Muni, in the last millennium, I was born as the son of a certain maidservant engaged in the service of brahmanas who were following the principles of Vedanta. When they were living together during the four months of the rainy season, I was engaged in their personal service. So there's a lot that is being said by Srila Prabhupada. Uh, in response to this text today. And it's primarily about serving the devotee of the Lord. And if you remember uh, from the reading, says, the Lord says that the service of his servants is greater than his personal service. And he says that in a number of places. Uh, as a matter of fact, he, he is so much, um, he is so much indebted himself uh, he to his servant uh, that he tells the uh, the four Kumaras whenever they were cursed by Jai and Vijay, uh, not uh, I'm sorry, whenever they were uh, told that they could not enter Vaikunta by the gatekeepers of Vaikunta, Jai and Vijay, and then they cursed them uh, to take their birth in this material world. Uh, then the Lord came in his Vishnu form, his forearmed form, and the, uh, the four Kumaras who up until that time were, were impersonalists, they did not worship the pers- personal form. This is, this is the way it appears. They did not worship the personal form of the Lord. But the Lord tells them that if, if, if my right hand were to offend a brahmana, I would, I would lop it off. And so the Lord then is very much appreciative of whatever his devotees do in service to him. Even the least little bit of service, the Lord pays attention to because that service appears to be very rare in this material world. That someone would become aware of the presence of the Supreme Lord and would choose to to change his life from uh, one of sense gratification to one of devotional service to the Lord. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit today about valuing the service to the devotees of the Lord. And we we have, we sometimes hear people speaking of uh, the the um, the unfortunate position that they're in that they did not take a good birth in this lifetime and therefore they uh, picked up so many bad habits along the way and they they just have a really difficult time so in other words they uh, make excuses for their birth or for the present situation that they're in not to perform devotional service or not to show proper respect to those who are performing devotional service. So uh, sometimes then one accepts one's birth uh, as being, being as it is the result of pious activities uh, as, a, as, a, uh, as an, an unfortunate uh, uh, difficulty that they experience 
at least it's responsible for whatever difficulties. And so, um, uh, the devotee is, is quite often at the beginning of his devotional career, especially, he blames his inability to perform devotion service. He blames his inability to get along with properly with the devotees. He blames the, the fact that he cannot move close to the temple of the Supreme Lord. He blames that all on his, on his, uh, his birth. The unfortunate, uh, situation of his birth in this lifetime. But, uh, but as soon as he, he comes into contact with the devotees of the Lord, he begins to learn that he should refuse to excuse his inclinations based on his birth. Because once he has the education that the way he is living his life is not beneficial to him in the present moment, nor will it be uh, beneficial to him in the future, that he, he should no longer blame all of his decisions on just having taken a bad birth. So uh, there was a young fellow who was around our community a while back, and um, uh, he, he was making some mistakes in his dealings with other people, and he was alienating himself uh, by uh, by claiming that, well, what do you expect? I'm, I'm a drug addict. And so he accepted the fact, and he was a very intelligent young man, very nice-looking fellow, and, and yet he had had this problem uh, earlier on in his life, apparently had not had much of a, a father figure in his life, and so uh, he and, and some others that he was hanging out with they they started using some heavier drugs. And so whenever he did something that was rather inappropriate or lacking in etiquette here in, in the community that would cause him problems in dealing with the devotees here in the community, he would say, well, what do you expect? I'm a drug addict. And so one has to get to the point then of realizing that you cannot blame a habit that you picked up on your inability to perform devotional service. Because there's really no impediment to performing devotional service. Now, of course, if you're living in a, in a state, as, as some uh, devotees were, uh, you know, uh, 30, 40 years ago, living in, in communist Russia, and it was a very dict- dictatorial type of setting there, and, and it, you know, they were persecuted for uh, for performing devotional service. But many of them just accepted the persecution and went on, just like Haridas Thakur was beaten through so many marketplaces because he would not stop chanting the holy names. But he said, I simply cannot stop. So if you, ki- if you must kill me, then kill me. But I cannot stop chanting the holy names of the Lord. And so the Lord then protected his devotees, and later on we found out that Lord Chaitanya had stripes on his back where he took those lashes that Haridas Thakur was receiving in the marketplace. In other words, he was he was there personally protecting his devotee. 
So one has, uh, one should refuse to excuse his inclinations that he has picked up along the way just based on his birth or based on uh, his family situation that he, he, that he grew up in. And one should push himself to get past the habits that he is accrued and, and the lethargy that he is, is feeling. And we know that the mode of ignorance, one of the qualities in the mode of ignorance is, is laziness and lethargy and addiction to eating the wrong kinds of foods and to taking all kinds of intoxicants to try to make life more pleasant. And yet it's, it's an unpleasant situation from the beginning until the very end of one's life when one finds oneself so much steeped in that material mode of the supreme law, the mode of ignorance, even in the mode of passion, which is considered to be one level higher than that of ignorance, still one's activities causes one to have to suffer throughout one's life. There may be occasional glimpses of happiness or what we call happiness. It's actually momentary or temporary cessation of the, of the pain that one is feeling. But those moments of happiness are short-lived and they go away. So once we get to the point of understanding all of these aspects of devotional life, and once we get to the point of recognizing devotees who are much farther along the path of devotional life than we are, then uh, we try to not only pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, but we also take the help of those more advanced devotees. And then when we ourselves become a little bit more advanced, then we like to help other people get past excusing themselves for what what they have done, for what they have caused to bring them to this current moment in their lives. So we try to make progress then based on our own efforts. Generally, people like to be recognized for their own endeavors. And yet, uh, taking credit for their own endeavors means that they don't recognize that I'm getting a lot of benedictions from the Supreme Lord for this ability to accomplish whatever it is that I'm accomplishing. And if I'm, if I have already begun my devotional career, sometimes, uh, that, that ego that one has, has acquired in the early part of his life comes into play and causes one to think, well, I'm doing pretty good. I'm chanting all my rounds now. I'm going to the temple. I'm doing devotional service. I feel pretty good about where I'm at right now. And then it, it isn't long before then one uh, finds himself mired down again in reactions that he's taking from the past, and he finds his own ego being crushed again and again by the circumstances that he finds himself in. So one has to learn to uh, n- not to acquiesce to one's defeats. And that's the tendency that, you know, when, when a person gets beat down and, and he, he is forced to give up the society of devotees for some times, that, you know, the tendency there is just to say, oh, well, 
not this lifetime. I can't make it. I'm going back into doing what I was doing before because the people are much nicer to me than the devotees have been. And I just don't feel good about being in this society where everybody's expecting me to come up to the level that they're at. And, and they're just not, they're not accepting me for where I am. And, and I just feel so bad. I think I'll go out and eat worms. No, maybe they don't get to that point. But sometimes it seems like that. You know, there's, there was that little song we had as a kid. Everybody hates me. Nobody loves me. I better go out and eat worms. So sometimes a, a devotee gets to that point. And, but, you know, if, if he uses his intelligence, he comes to understand that he really needs the association of other people, that he can't solve the problem of, of, you know, of, of whatever bad habits he's acquired simply by acting on his own and trying to chant on his own and never having the company of other people. Uh, because those are the people are the ones who are very dear to the Lord himself, uh, simply because they have followed the instructions of the Supreme Lord to seek out a spiritual master. Just, just try, try to find a, a bona fide spiritual master. Inquire from him submissively. Render some ordinary mundane service to him. Whatever you can do. Um, the the self-realized souls can enlighten one because they have seen the truth. And so one can come to that point of understanding that I really need the help of other people uh, so that uh, if for no other reason, so that I hear something besides my mundane mind telling me to do this and to do that. And I already know after all these years of, of, of living with that mind that it never gives me the kind of good advice that I need to pull myself up out of this doldrum that I'm in. So then, if we, if, if one comes to that point of recognizing the need, then that means that he has to accept that others could just possibly be more advanced than himself. And so we have, whenever we have special guests coming into the community, uh, maybe we can look at them with a little bit different vision than we look at the devotees who are around us every day. And maybe we can look at these other people and think, well, this person is very advanced in devotional life. And it's kind of hard to see that when you're around a person every day, every, and, and you, you uh, realize that oh, this person has just about as many faults as I have. And yet that person continues to strive to do devotion service. Somebody has asked Srila Prabhupada, I heard this spoken in a class one time, asked Srila Prabhupada, says, Prabhupada, what, what gives you the most satisfaction? What makes you the happiest? You know what he said? Out of all the things that he could have said, he said, your struggle. I know that you're in this material body. I know that you're in this material Western civilization or so-called civilization. And I know that it's hard to come to the level that I want you to come to. So you have to struggle. 
And that's what I like. I like to see you struggle. I don't like to see you acquiesce and give up or give in to the habits that you brought with you into this movement, that you brought with to brought to, with you uh, to my presence also. And so Srila Prabhupada was then saying that I know it's tough. It's tough for you to come out of this material world. But then why would, uh, why else would I have come over and left a very comfortable situation in India where I could have continued on with my old age until I gave up my body? Why would I leave that and come over here, uh, to be with all you boys and girls that are suffering because you don't have the answers to the questions that you have not even thought to ask yet? And that is, why am I in this material world? What is what? Who am I? What am I? This body, and this body is giving you so many problems. Is this who I am? So I'm here to help you understand who you are. This is this. I'm putting these words uh, out for it, as though Prabhupada were speaking them. Uh, I'm here to show you who you are. I'm here to show you what your purpose in life is. I'm here to encourage you and to show by my example how you're supposed to be living your life so that you can get the same kind of satisfaction that I'm getting from my life in service to my spiritual master. So uh, we understand that Krishna invests his potency in his servants like Srila Prabhupada. And not only Srila Prabhupada, but all of his disciples who have remained steady and faithful to him and who have spent their lives trying to help other people get their act together so that they also can have that bliss that Srila Prabhupada talks about so fondly. So a Krishna then really appreciates the efforts of his sons and daughters of whom we are. Uh, who uh, will actually try to curb their the pushings of their five senses, uh, and which which really are based on whatever where, whatever we have learned up until the time we come into contact with the devotees of the Lord. So he wants to glorify his dedicated servants, and Krishna makes all kinds of efforts to do that. To glorify his devotees, just like we've had this, uh, you know, this one man in our community that went through some very difficult legal uh, actions for the, about the past several months, and he, he was he was so worried, so concerned, and and then the question came: He's one of the most respected members of this whole community. Why is it that Krishna would? Uh, set it up for him to suffer in such a way as he and his wife had to suffer during the time that this legal thing was going on. And so we know then from reading, especially uh, our last last week I read a, a part of a text in the Krishna book, which is uh, Prabhupada's condensation of the 10th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, in which uh, it was chapter 33 in the second volume of the Krishna book. And it was the, 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 uh, the uh, chapter was entitled, I think, The Deliverance of Lord Shiva. Uh, Lord Shiva mistakenly gave a, 
a benediction to a, a person who was demonic in nature and that he was having and then he had to he had to he was chased all over the universe by this this person until finally Lord Krishna Lord Vishnu in his form as a Brahmin boy uh, then uh, 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 saved him from that but in that chapter in that chapter it was it is also stated uh, that Krishna allows his devotee to be put into difficult circumstances sometimes, not because of what he has done in his past life. And, and Prabhupada makes that very clear statement in the, in the Krishna book, that it is not because of his reactions to the past life, because he doesn't get reactions like ordinary people does. If Krishna chooses to allow him to suffer some in this lifetime, it is not because of what he's done, because he's already given himself to the Supreme Lord. And Krishna really wants uh, to glorify his servants. And so he takes a person like uh, like a Narada Muni, uh, at whom we've been reading about in today's verse. He was born in this lifetime as, as the son of a maidservant, and I, I've read in the past that this was because of something that he did in a previous lifetime, and the demigods cursed him to take birth in this on this planet uh, to this maidservant. But my spiritual master tomorrow, Krishna Goswami, says that we should never think of Narada Muni as being an ordinary jiva. He is a jiva, yes, but he is also one of the panchatattva. He's uh, one of Lord Chaitanya's associates, uh, one of Lord Nityananda. So whenever we sing Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Sri Srivas, that Srivas is Narada Muni. And so if a person is reaches that kind of status that he can now come and give advice to Srila uh, Veda Vyas, Srila Vyasdev, uh, about what he needs to do to get rid of this feeling of, of dejection that he has, even after Srila Vyasadeva has, has, has created the Vedas, he's, he's divided them into four different Vedas. And, and this is a monumental task. No ordinary person who is not empowered by the Supreme Lord could possibly do what Srila Vyasadeva has done. And yet, Narada Muni, who was formerly the son of a maidservant, is now coming and and giving uh, Srila Vyasadeva what he needs to know. Because uh, he's he's like, uh, uh, Narada Muni is like the Rishi among the Devas, a Deva Rishi. So Krishna is glorifying his servant. And, and so the same is true with Maturanath Prabhu in this community, that he went through so many difficulties and 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 part of the reason that we can see in in retrospect is that it gave all of us in the community who knew him and who respected him uh, gave us an opportunity to, to try to render a little service to him. And so, what does that do for Krishna? I mean, what does how does that affect Krishna? Krishna appreciates that more than anything that we could do for Krishna himself. And Prabhupada makes that statement very clearly. In that volume, the second volume of the Krishna book. So uh, he sends his advanced devotees into this world for the purpose of helping other people. 
That's the whole purpose that he, that the devotee, the pure devotee of the Lord like Prabhupada comes into this world. Because he has so much compassion on the rest of us who are having such difficulty and doing simple things that Prabhupada has asked us to do. Like chanting our 16 minimum rounds daily. It can be such a hard thing to do. Uh, so Prabhupada has come and shown by his own personal example how to accomplish that. And so he's given us all kinds of help. And now that he's no longer physically present among us, he has given us the association of not only, uh, not only his books, not only his lectures by, that have been recorded, not only those things, but he's also given us his, his very pure-hearted devotees who are very compassionate toward those of us who are having such trouble getting on. And he wants his, uh, well, he sends these, and he also wants his neophyte devotees, who people like me, uh, to be able to find some humility. Because unless one becomes humble, then it's very difficult uh, for anybody to help that person. And and, and uh, so this this was uh, this was pointed out again by Tamal Krishna Goswami one time up in his office. I was there with him, and he said, "If you if a person is has all good qualities, and yet is arrogant, it's you can do practically nothing to help that person. But if a person has practically no good qualities, and yet he has a humble spirit, that person you can help." So Krishna wants us to, to find that humility that allows then those persons who are more advanced on the path to actually help us. And then we can benefit from serving those other people, serving those devotees. But for example, we can observe their behavior, their proper behavior in dealing with other people. And that's something we did, you know, that our society that we were coming out of does not teach us. Not only do we not learn that it's a that it's a benefit to be humble, but we learn that it's it's sometimes a deficiency. It's considered deficient deficiency in the society if you don't have enough uh, uh, strength of character that you can command others to to do things and and you can defend yourself. And so humility is not a, considered to be an attribute. That is of much value in the society that we're in. And yet, whenever you see a person who is humble, everybody loves that person. Even though they're taught that they cannot be humble because people will walk on you if you're humble. Uh, still, uh, you find up, you find humility in a person and it's a very desirable quality to have. So that's one of the things that we learn from other people. How to, how to be proper in our etiquette. Uh, in dealing with other devotees, we have to develop a desire to emulate the actions and the mood of other people. And if we have around us devotees who are more advanced than ourselves, then uh, that's a, that's a, a good time that that we can look at that person, we can examine the way that person acts, the way that person speaks, the way that person lives his life or her life. And, and and we can also take up acting and speaking and living in, in a very similar way. And we can benefit like that. 
And another thing that being around uh, advanced devotees does is to help, help us to overcome the propensity that we have to criticize other people. And I don't know about you, if you've been around long enough, to those of you who are listening in, uh, whether you've been around long enough to realize this, but if you criticize other people for some fault that you see in them, then you better look out because you're going to have that same fault coming to attack you. And, and before you know it, you're doing exactly the same kind of thing that that person was whom you criticized. I've had this happen to myself personally. I know that this is true. When I've criticized other devotees for some fault that they've had, it was just a matter of time before I myself had to start dealing with the same defect. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, that we should take up the habits of other people who are having problems. No, it just means that we should understand that this person is not entirely in control of his mind and his senses, and and therefore he's having a difficult time. He's being walloped by the material energy of the Supreme Lord. She is she she rides on the back of a tiger and she has a trident and she will she will attack you and and you'll find yourself saying things and doing things which are very despicable for a devotee to say and to do. And so uh, being around other persons who are more qualified than we are helps us to uh, emulate their actions, their moods, and helps to give us the propensity, uh, helps us to overcome the propensity to criticize others when we see that they're not acting in a proper way. And so finally, when, whenever we... Uh, come to the point of being able to clean up our own acts and to act in a in an exemplary way ourselves, then we can set an example for the younger devotees who are coming in. And when I say younger, they may not be younger uh, physically. They may be older, but still they're younger in devotional service. And so we have to develop an attitude of compassion toward them that somebody else has had toward us. Hare Krishna. I will end now and ask if some of you have some observations that you've made, maybe that has come to mind while I've been speaking. And we have a functioning uh, microphone here. It looks like a look. Prabhu has been chosen. Thank you so much for uh, such wonderful class, Pruji. Um, I just want to mention that um, I like the point uh, that you mentioned about uh, Srila Prabhupada pastime when he says, I like your struggle. So that was very inspiring for me. It was what? Uh, you mentioned that Prabhupada replied saying, what I like the most? Yes. Struggle. Yes. Your struggle. So struggle. Just, yeah, I like that the most. Thank you so much. That is very nice, isn't it? That Prabhupada, you know, it's so many things that Prabhupada could have said. Oh, I like that. I like the temple here. It's such a beautiful thing, and I love the deity form of the Lord, and and I, I really like the prasadam that this particular devotee is able to prepare for me. I mean, he could have said all those things, and and yet he said, "What I like the most is your struggle." Because he knows how much difficulty those of us who were brought up, especially in the West, 
have in overcoming the, I, all of those uh, those lack of qualification that we have, that lack of qualification, that propensity to satisfy our senses, to try to find some pleasure with these material bodies. He knows how much difficulty we're having in doing that. And yet, if we just stay, if we stay in the temple, if we stay in the association devotees, makes Prabhupada so happy. Because, you know, he just, he really hated to have to turn away anybody who came to the temple. Even sometimes he would override the, uh, you know, the complaints of his temple president or senior members of that community. And he'd say, no, 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 just let him stay, let him stay. And, uh, and, and yet, um, he, so he does, he's such a compassionate person. And do we have that kind of compassion? No. As soon as somebody does something that we think is is not, it's reprehensible. You know, we're ready to say, "Hit the road, out of here." And and yet, uh, and yet, if we just give it some time and give that person some uh, some good association, help that person in whatever way we can. And this may be somebody who is in a position that is higher than than the one that we're in. And yet we see that that person has a need. So if, if we go ahead and do the thing, the, the kinds of things that help that other person, and one of those things that we can do is give respect to that other person. Because then if we do that to a person who is not acting in a very respectable way, then that person just might begin to think, well, you know, here I am, I'm acting so foolish, and I've got this younger person here who is treating me with respect, Maybe I better clean my act up and start acting deserving of this respect. Anything else? Bishra Bhagwan Prabhu. Sometimes I've heard that you can tell when Krishna's pleased by if the devotees are pleased. But sometimes, but does that mean? All the devotees, or exact, how, exactly how does that work? Like, sometimes people cook a daily sweet that nobody likes, but they're, they have, it's full of bhakti that they, they did. You know, we know that Krishna doesn't just like cakes, even though the devotees seem to just like cakes more than they like ladus, but Krishna is famous for liking <laughs> ladus. So, so how do we... You're embarrassing me now because I never have liked Ladus too much. (laughs) Um, Well, when when we we serve out the daily sweets, then it seems like Krishna likes cakes more than Ladus. But we know that Krishna likes the bhakti that somebody performs the service with. How how do we know if if it's the exact result is... uh, what Krishna is appreciating or if it's the, the intention or the love of the devotee. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a little bit of a com- complex question to ask. Um, sometimes, uh, yes, Krishna will appreciate any little effort that his devotee makes. But 
if you're, if you, uh, let's just say that you're not so familiar with the kinds of foods that the, uh, the Pujaris are cooking and offering to their lordships. And so you cook something that is, is, um, maybe a bit different than that. And maybe it's not such a nice prep. And maybe the devotees in the community, after it goes to the altar and it comes off the altar and the devotees being to eat it. And they're not so fond of it. And maybe they say something that hurts your feeling because you were not, I mean, you did your best. Um, but Krishna appreciates that effort that you make to, you know, to prepare something for him. Uh, and the spiritual masters are very much the same way too. Uh, but you know, uh, because my spiritual master was your god brother and he was, he was quite, uh, insistent on food being prepared in a certain way. Um, and he, he had very high standard, and he learned that from his spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada. And so um, it, it's, if, if we find out, even in spite of our best efforts, that the results that we're getting are not satisfying the devotees, then we should, instead of saying, well, I'm just not going to make that anymore. I'm not going to cook for the Lord anymore because I don't seem to be able to satisfy anybody. You know, that's the kind of attitude that people sometimes take. Oh, you don't like the way I made my sweet? You don't like the way I made, way I made my chidwa? You don't like my sabji? You don't like the way I cooked the rice? You know, it's, it, I'm just going to quit. I'll, I'll just let somebody else do it. Somebody that knows how to do it, I'll just let them do it. Instead of thinking, oh, I haven't satisfied the devotees enough. Maybe I should, maybe I should talk with somebody who is a good cook. Maybe I should talk with somebody who does know how to distribute books, go out and distribute books. Maybe I should talk with somebody who knows how to get along with other devotees. Instead of, uh, instead of causing them, uh, to get angry with me as I have been doing. And, and, you know, uh, um, so if, if you make the attempt to find out how to improve your service, then we can only expect that Krishna would be happier with that than he would with your first attempt, maybe that, and maybe you didn't make something that was so good. But if you make the attempt to make it better, well, how much more is he going to appreciate that? And it's just like a child doing something for his parents. If he doesn't do it so well, but he learns how to do it better, like how to wash the dishes properly, how to sweep the floor properly, then the parents are, you know, they were satisfied when he was making his first little attempt. But when he makes an attempt based on, you know, getting some education from older brother or sister or from a mother, then the parent is going to appreciate that even more than that, that first humble attempt. So, uh, Mr. Bhagavan Prabhu, um, you know, whatever attempt we make to perform devotional service, we understand that Krishna uh, likes that. Because finally, finally, after so many lifetimes, we've come to the human form again, and we're giving some attention to the Supreme Lord. We're saying, yes, my Lord, I do accept. I can't see you. I can't hear you. But I'm learning from other people who have a better connection with you than I have, that you're really there. 
And so I'm going to try to do whatever I can to, uh, to make you happy. Because I know by making you happy, even though you're self-sufficient, you don't require my stupid little efforts to become happy. You don't require that I, I cook something to give to you. And yet, when I do make that attempt, you are very pleased. So I'm going to try hard to learn how to do that and so that you will be more pleased than you have been in the past. Even though I know that you accepted this little offering that I made to you, but I also know that you like a much nicer prepared offering that I've seen someone else making. And so I'm going to go to that person and learn what I can do to make something that really pleases you. Even better, that pleases your devotee. And if your devotee is pleased with me, then I understand from reading the Bhagavatam that you're pleased with me even more than if I'd done it just for you. Is that okay? Anything else? All right, it's 8.45. We're going over time. Thank you all for staying with me very much. I appreciate that. And we'll go and, well, today's a fast day, so um, you might go and and get some prasadam from the prasadam room. Take later in case uh, you're not able to come around the temple to get the the noon prasadam. Uh, Take some with you and, and, and honor it later. So everybody, remember it's Ikadashi. Uh, do your best to follow Ikadashi, and uh, also uh, fasting from uh, fasting from anything except maybe some uh, a, a little fruit or some water or something, whatever you want to take this morning uh, in your fast for Lord Varaha Day. So with that, we'll say that. Uh, uh, we offer our respectful obeisances to Srila Prabhupada, who has brought us this knowledge, and to all the Vaishnava devotees of the Lord, who are just like desire trees, who fulfill the desires of everyone, and who are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Srila Prabhupada Gijai, Srimad Bhagavatam Gijai, Sri Sri Vada Kalachan Jidam Gijai, Gora Premananda, Haribo.